0: I'm Michelle Kimball. Nice to meet you all. i um, been coming here about six months now, my husband and I and my family, and we just absolutely love you all, and we're just so grateful for God's word and these amazing voices today that songs bring me to tears. Um, we're going to be reading in Acts uh, chapter 16, verse 25 and 26 today. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds were unfastened. And this is from our good book, in the name of the Lord. Okay, now you guys may be seated. (laughs) Well, good morning. Pastor Lingle said just for me to introduce myself, some of you have met me and I've met some of you, but my name is Jason. Uh, I've been in ministry for about 35 years, although for the last few years I've been in active ministry and in a church. Um, about a year ago, uh, the end of this month, I fell in love with Carmen and, uh, and we started dating and five months later we were married. I mean, when you know, you know. And, uh, and so December the 24th, Christmas Eve was our six month mark. And, uh, and so, but I've, I've been in, in youth ministry. I was an associate pastor. I was a pastor at a church planter. And for the last few years I've been in, uh, grief ministry, uh, as a certified celebrant and, and, uh, well, that's enough about any of that. But uh, last Sunday, we were here a few minutes early, which is not very common for us, but uh, standing back here in the back, and Pastor Lingle approached me, and we're just talking and everything, and he began saying, you know, I know this is kind of a short notice, and, and I thought, is he about to ask me to preach? <laughs> and, and so as he kind of kept forming the words and everything, I said, I'll do it. And uh, it's been almost three years since I've had an opportunity to preach, and so I hope that you can listen really fast today. It's going to be like taking a sip of water out of a fire hydrant, and so uh, I'm just going to encourage you to listen fast, because the two verses that you just read were a couple out of about 30, but it's in a story. Do you like stories? I love stories. And the book of Acts, Acts of the Apostles, has some amazing stories. This is the Apostle Paul, actually uh, this picture is not the real Apostle Paul. It's an actor. But Carmen and I watched uh, Paul, an Apostle of Christ. Have you seen the movie? Anybody? If you haven't, watch it. It's a good, it's really an amazing movie. Let me give you a little background because he's kind of the key. He and uh, Silas are going to be the topic of today's message of look what happened to me. The Apostle Paul is the human author, anyway, of at least 13 books of our New Testament, mostly letters uh, to churches, uh, some to individuals like Timothy and Titus and Philemon. Some people say he was the author of Hebrews. We're not sure exactly who authored Hebrews, but, but anyway, but before he was used to author these books of the, of the New Testament, he was taught at the feet of Gamaliel, We have his resume in Philippians 3, 4 through 6. He said, if anyone thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As to the law, I was a Pharisee. As to zeal, I was a persecutor of the church. And as to righteousness under the law, I was blameless. So we see that this guy was in religion for a great portion of his life, was very learned, And then he's on his way to Damascus to persecute more Christians when a light shone all around him. He fell to the ground, was blinded by that light, and he hears a voice from heaven saying, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he says, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus, who you're persecuting. And he goes into Damascus as a blind man. And he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. And while he was there, he had a vision of a man named Ananias. And this is what happened. There was a disciple of Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. He said, here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. The house of Judas Look for a man named Saul. For behold, he is praying and he's seen a vision of a man named Ananias to come and lay his hands on him so he can regain his sight. But Ananias answered, "Uh, time out. I've heard about this guy. He doesn't like Christians like us. He drags us off into prison and things like that. You sure? That's a different version. That's not actual. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But he said, Go anyway, because I'm telling you to. And so Ananias went to Paul and, or Saul and said, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Is that what he said? It's not what he said. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go, for he's a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the name and the sake of Sorry, for the sake of my name. That was his message to him. Now that you're a Christian, I'm gonna show you how much you're gonna suffer in this ministry I've called you to. So fast forward to chapter 16, where we are today. Paul and Barnabas have had a sharp disagreement in chapter 15, and so Barnabas takes John Mark, Paul takes Silas, they meet up with Timothy in the first six verses, five verses of of Acts chapter 16 and now there's two teams. Timothy's added and the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. So life is good. It's good right now. But then we get to our scripture. Beginning in verse six. I'm not gonna make you stand for this because it's a long passage. So just listen. They went through the region of Phrygia in Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Wait a minute, wait, time out already. <laughs> they said, okay, we're a brand new team, where should we go? And so they went to the most obvious place, well, Asia. I mean, Christ has sent us into all the world and so let's go to Asia. And the Holy Spirit said No. I thought, okay. Well, let's go to Bithynia. When they had come to Mycenae, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So we tried A, Asia, now B, Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit says, you know what? (laughs) Let's not wait for him to get all the way down to M. And so there is a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. So when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we, saw, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. You see, Paul was a bright man, and he said, that must be where he wants us to go. He sent us a vision. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke with a woman, with the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. She was a seller of purple goods. So you see that TCU fans goes all the way back to the first century. Shout out to the frogs. Go frogs tomorrow night. All right. Some of you are going to be distracted for the rest of the service. But she was a worshiper of God and the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. You see... God did that. He opened her heart to pay attention to what they were saying. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you judge me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed on us. So, so far so good once they kind of got their course figured out. Verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination. In the Greek, it literally means a spirit of A python. And, her owner, uh, and, and she brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. This is a demon-possessed slave girl. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Now imagine that. That doesn't sound very harmful, does it? But can you imagine if Lingle was up here about to bring the message And Fatima came up behind him and says, hey, this is Pastor Greg, and he's been called by God to preach to you guys. Constantly. That'd be annoying, would it not? Not if it was Fatima. Fatima. Y'all be forgiving if it was Fatima. And said, Greg, sit down. Fatima's up there. She's got something to say. But I love the honesty here. It says, Paul having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, will you stop that? He says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them, literally dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrate's they said, these men are Jews, and they're disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept our practice. Now, they hadn't done any of that stuff. That was a lie. But the crowd joined in. There's nothing like mob mentality to stir up, you know, some little anger. They, didn't, they barely even know. These guys have just been in town a couple of days. The magistrates tore the garments off of Paul and Silas, gave orders to beat them with rods. Now you understand, this is a Roman colony. This isn't a Jewish colony. The Jews, they do this thing where they whip you 40 stripes minus one to make sure that they don't go over the 40 mark, which is the maximum you can whip somebody. Romans say you can beat them until you get tired. And they had these guys called lictors. That a lot of times these lictors would even be holding an axe to show that they had the authority to execute someone. And when I was a kid, you know, my punishment was either carried out with a belt, and when you hear that <laughs> flap, 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 <laughs> flap, it was time to tremble. Or sometimes it was the paddle. But boy, when you and your sister are fighting in the back seat, and mom or dad says, Looks like there's a lot of good switches on these trees. I mean, that's when you just turn pale and you pray to die. (laughs) Because a switch or a rod, that hurts. And so they tore their garments off and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. And having received this order, He put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So now, not only are they in prison, they're in basically solitary confinement. And they locked their feet into stocks. At least when you're in a prison cell, you can go over in the corner and use the bathroom or something. But they're in stocks. Like, sorry, Silas, I gotta go. And it was bad. Well, having received this order, the jailer, Put them in the inner prison because, by the way, if a prisoner escapes, it's immediate death and a painful death for the jailer. About midnight, Paul and Silas, here's what was read a moment ago, were praying and singing hymns to God. Now imagine that. Hours after this happened because now it's about midnight. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, watch this, all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now, skip the most important phrase. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. All the doors open, everyone's bonds fall off. When the jailer woke. He saw that the prison doors were open, so he drew his sword to kill himself, because he thought this would be a lot quicker than what they're going to do to me. Paul cried out with a loud voice Do not harm yourself, for we're all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus. You'll be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him, to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. He was baptized at once. He and all his family. And they brought him up into his house. They set food before them. They fed him. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now the next day, when it was day, the magistrates sent the police because they knew they were in there with trumped up charges. They were in there, none of that stuff was true. It was only a matter of time before people say, "Yeah, they didn't do any of that stuff. So the magistrates said, let those men go. And the jailer reported these words saying, the magistrates uh, magistrates have sent to let you go. So come on out, go in peace. And Paul said to him, wait a minute, they've beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. And they've thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? Uh Uh-uh, I don't think so. Let them come themselves and take us out. So when the police reported these words to the magistrates, the magistrates had an accident. I mean, it freaked them out. It scared them because they thought, They didn't tell, we didn't know they were Roman citizens. And what's interesting to me is that Paul and Silas waited until this moment to play that card. They could have said, time out, before you beat me with a rod, I'm a Roman citizen, but they didn't do it. Talk more about that in a moment. So they came and apologized to them, took them out and asked them to please leave the city. They said, in good time, we're gonna go encourage the brothers first, say goodbye to Lydia and we'll be on our way. The end. Pretty cool story, isn't it? Now, will you just pray with me and let's unpack this. Let's pray. Father, so many times and so many times this year, already, eight days in, it's so easy for us to say, look what happened to me. Why is this happening to me? Lord, would you come now in spite of me and let your Holy Spirit speak to our hearts here that need to hear this message. To say, God, change my heart. And teach me to respond in a way that glorifies you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, it was just uh, two weeks ago yesterday that I was participating in the Christmas Eve service. And I mean, they had the coolest. Just got these lights up here. You see these little icicle things? The coolest light show. You wouldn't have believed it when that part came on. Just breathtaking. It was so cool. And the rehearsals, I thought, man, it's going to be so good. And just a few minutes before the thing started, pff, lights went out. We thought, oh, wow, Mansfield's lights went out. No, 108 customers out of the thousands, it went out here and don't you know that there were people with the sound and the tech, and everybody that's like, ah. I mean, they did the whole <laughs> home alone thing and see like what Jason just did to the microphone. <laughs> Look what happened. Last Monday night, if you were watching Monday night football, you along with millions were shocked when Demar. Hamlin collapsed back with a heart attack and turned a Monday night football game stadium into a prayer meeting a week ago tomorrow and sometimes things happen and we say look what happened let's review what happened to Paul and Silas in this story now I was going to do this interactively, but number one, there's not enough time. We kind of categorize things as good and bad, don't we? Can we be honest about that? This is a good thing. This is a bad thing. So I won't go through that entire list, but from the beginning of the story, <coughs> they're all excited, pumped up. we got a brand new missionary turn. Let's see. Paul and Silas, Timothy, high five. Let's go to Asia. Holy Spirit says no. What do you mean no? All right, well, then let's go to Bithynia. No. Vision was a good thing. Lydia getting baptized. Okay, we've got a convert. Cool. Slave girl shows up. That's worse than the power going out. At least we didn't have some demon possessed girl <laughs> coming up saying, Merry Christmas, everybody. You know? So Paul cast out the demon. You gotta believe there had to be a little high five between Paul and Silas. That was cool. And then everything goes in the bad column for the next few things. They're dragged. Can you Imagine being dragged before the magistrates. I believe that literally. And say, y'all, come on, we're going to the magistrates. They drugged them to the magistrates. They were falsely accused, they were beaten with rods, thrown into prison, feet in the stocks in the inner prison. I'd say those are bad things. And yet, they had a prayer and praise. They had church. But the prisoners were listening. God sends an earthquake. And I, and I put a question mark on that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Suddenly, the, oh great, now there's an earthquake. We're gonna die. But instead, your bonds fall off. The doors open. And you know, if it were me, I'd say, you know, God's... And I think my Sunday school story of this was they had the right attitude, so God rewarded them. He opened their doors. But they didn't leave. And the bonds were unfastened. Well, I want us to review this list considering how would you respond to these things? If honestly... I think the first two, I might not have had the rest of the story. You're going to tell me no? I'm trying to serve you, Lord. And you said no? And you said no again? I think I'm just going to just go back to making tents. Because Paul was a tent maker. I think, I mean, God, I'm, I'm trying here. Can we be honest? I mean, do you think any of you may have felt that way? All right, thank you. I got a couple of honest amens. Now, if you tell your wife, God's given me a vision of this man from Macedonia, she might say, okay, I'm going to change your medication or something. But if you think, all right, there's clear direction now. And if all these things happen, if we review all of those again, I know that at some point, at least Paul admitted, or, you know, Luke, who penned the Acts of the Apostle, is telling the story. Paul got really annoyed with the slave girl. Cast out the demons. I just don't know that I would have been having a praise and worship service after my back got laid open with rods. I don't know that I would. I just don't know. I'd love to say, oh yeah, I'd be right in there with them. Oh Lord, you're so good. I'd be saying, are are you kidding? I mean, you said no to the first two places we were going to go and then we come here because you gave us this vision and now... I've been beaten half to death and I'm in this prison with my feet in stocks. But that's not what Paul and Silas did. I think sometimes we read stories like this. It's good to look at your WWJD bracelet if you still have one of those. I wear one because it says, what would Jason do? It's not so much what would Jesus do. Honestly, what would I do in those situations? But I have a couple of questions. Let's move on to the questions. If I responded with the right attitude was praising God, praying hours after I was wrongly accused, beaten, thrown into prison, and all that stuff, and God sends an earthquake, and my door opens, and my bonds fall off, what might I assume? My deliverance. My Redeemer lives. See you guys. Wouldn't want to be you. Next question. What is the all-consuming thought of any prisoner anywhere at any time? Freedom. Freedom. Thank you. So these prisoners who before Paul and Silas were having this praise and worship service are thinking, how am I going to get out of here? I, years ago, I was invited to preach at one of the largest prisons in Wisconsin and I actually preached a part of this text, different applications and everything, but the title of my message, when I, when I introduced it, was, what's better than a prison break? And the, the guards in the back literally stopped and looked at me like, are you serious right now? <laughs> so the next question, why on earth didn't they escape? when they had the opportunity. I mean, I don't know what's happening with them in, that, in the inner prison, but my bonds just fell off and my door's wide open. It's midnight. Jailer's asleep. So, why didn't they? Because they were listening to Paul and Silas. and They said, they possess a freedom that I've never seen. And if I escape, what am I going back to? What kind of a life am I going back to? It's certainly not like one that they're living right now. And guess what? I think I have this on the next slide. Let's go to the next slide. No, well, we'll get there in a second. But I want you to be reminded, the prisoners are listening to you. I mean... When you go eat at the restaurant after church, yes. the waitstaff get your order wrong, they're listening. Wow. My favorite things to do is when I have the opportunity to preach in an African-American church, because I just love it. They'd let me go for three hours. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> the reason I bring that up is because when I say something like this about the waitstaff, the restaurant after church, somebody shout up, you're in the room. What that means is when they say you're in the room, it means you're like right in my face right now. What about when you get cut off on the highway? What about when you have any experience at all having to do with the DMV? <laughs> or your phone service and you're on hold for an hour and a half. Well, what is our default assumption when bad things happen, as far as when we think it's bad? Oh, well, we say, it's the old devil. It's a pastor in North Carolina, bless his heart. That's a Texas phrase, by the way. He'd say sometimes, he'd get up in the pulpit and say, you know, that old devil just got on me all week this week. Say so he got on you? Is that like a spider web that you walk through or something? The old devil just got on me. I, sometimes I think Satan gets too much credit. I really do. Is God punishing me? That's what Job's comforters said. Well, obviously, there's sin in your life. John chapter 9 is one of the most entertaining chapters in the Bible. And I'm not going to read that passage because I'm going to have an hard enough time finishing this one. But I'll read the first three verses. He passed by, or as he Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents that he was born blind? And if they would have just thought about that question for 30 seconds, don't you know Jesus just had to face palm sometimes? <laughs> okay, this man sinned so he was born blind. So Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. So what if we changed our perspective from look what happened to me? Now I've heard the next phrase, look what happened for me. But I want to take it a step further because I believe the text teaches us today to say, look what happened for the glory of God. Let's bring our list back up. If we changed all those from good or bad to God, God said no. Praise God. He said no again. All right. We're going to beat you with rods. All right. (laughs) Because don't you know that Paul and Silas could have played the Roman card right then? Why didn't they? I believe I would have. I just have to be honest. Well, let's explore that a little bit in a couple of the other letters that Paul wrote. In Philippians chapter 1, the same Apostle Paul writing from a prison cell to the believers in Philippi. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me, there's that phrase has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, others from goodwill the latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm here for the defense of the gospel, but the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Modern day would say, so what? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that I rejoice and he goes on to say yes and I will rejoice for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ this will turn out for my deliverance as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death. You gotta understand as he was in this jail, it was a Roman province where he was in prison writing this letter He didn't know if they were going to execute him. They might. And so listen to what he says. To me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, it means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I choose, I cannot tell. Now listen to what he says here. I'm hard pressed between the two. Are you serious? Right now, you're saying I'm really struggling with whether or not I'm good with them killing me. He said, My desire is to depart and be with Christ. I kind of hope they kill me. Because that's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary in your account. So convinced of this, I know that I'll remain. And continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me, you you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. Because of my coming to you again. It says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. And not frightened in anything by your opponents. Why does he said, let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ? Because the prisoners are listening to you. So you don't send the food back. And say, I love rutabagas. I didn't even know that was on the menu. I can tell you right now that you're not listening fast enough. So, guys in the back, I'm gonna fast forward. But I do want to say this because this part blew me away. Some of you could have tattoos, I won't judge. Some of you have posters on your wall. Some of you teenagers have this in your locker room, whatever. The famous verse, Philippians 4:13, right? What does it say? We all know that one, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But Paul says in the verses around that, this is the secret. I've learned in whatever situation I am in to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. He's not talking about his max bench press. He's not talking about shaving two-tenths of a second off his 40 or his 100. That's a great application. Don't get me wrong. And if you are saying, I do all things for Christ and I can do all things through him, that's not what he's talking about. He said, I've just learned that when things happen, I know that it's Jesus. I mean, how many of us have gone through even a 100th of what Paul has gone through? And this is what he's saying. Let's just... Go straight to the takeaways, all right? Because there's five things that I want you to take away from this story. The first one is that Christians are promised suffering, which flies in the face of the false prosperity gospel. Jesus said, you're gonna suffer. When Paul met Jesus for the first time, he says, Ananias, go tell him, he's gonna suffer a lot. Number two, your afflictions are light and momentary and are preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Listen. I've seen so much as a grief counselor. Carmen and I were in Jefferson over Thanksgiving and we met a woman whose 20-year-old son the day before was killed in a car accident. They're believers. I'm still in communication with Shay and her husband, Tommy. Shay told me the other night, Tommy's almost lost the will to live. And they're believers. And Ethan, their other son, misses his brother. hard to say. This is a light and momentary affliction. How are you going to get that? How are you going to get that? Number three, life's greatest challenges don't happen to you. They happen for you, but more specifically for the glory of God. I don't believe And I can't take credit for this quote. One of my favorite quotes by John Piper is, I don't believe there's a maverick molecule in the entire universe over which God does not pronounce the word mine. We're fine with God being sovereign over creation because we weren't there but isn't that where God always takes someone who's doubting? That's what he said to Job. When Job finally says, I can't take this anymore. He says, okay, I'm going to ask you some questions. Where were you when I formed the heavens? The psalmist says in one of the Psalms of ascent, Psalm 121, I up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. We point to the sovereignty over creation. We're fine with that, but wait a minute. I'm talking about my life right now, God. Can we agree that God is just as sovereign over every detail of your life as he is over when he created the stars out of nothing? Amen. Number four, be mindful of how you respond to what happens to you because the prisoners are listening. And number five. Don't assume that God's will is to give you an easy escape from what is happening because eternal lives may be hanging in the balance. Imagine had Paul and Silas escaped when they had the chance. Jailer would have killed himself the end. That story to have been over. Said, Come on, Silas. It's obvious that God wants us to leave because we had the right attitudes and he sent the earthquake. Right? They said, Oh, I think God has something bigger here. And the jailer said, How can I have what you've got? Prisoners are listening. I prepared more, but it's time to go. <laughs> Take three hours. Amen. Preacher, you're in the room. Will you pray with me? Lord, we don't know what to do when an NFL 24 year old player collapses on a field, or when a 20-year-old dies in a car accident, or when you're diagnosed with cancer at 40, but teach us that you are large and in charge, that you're sovereign over all things. Remind us, please, Lord, that the prisoners are listening. And may we honor you and all that we do. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.